Hello and welcome to the Movie Moolah podcast. I am your host, Ben Yenny, and with me today is Jason T. Gaffney. Uh, I've known Jason for years from Clubhouse, but Jason is one of the strike captains for the SAG strike right now. And uh, given that I've been talking a lot about it on social media, partially in an effort to learn more, I thought having Jason on would be a very valuable use of time. So Jason, welcome. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Cool. And um, just so everybody's aware, while Jason is a strike captain, the, all of his opinions here are his own. None of them have anything to do with SAG or the WJ or anything. We are two people talking about our opinions, which is what at least I do on a daily basis. So take it for what it is. Um, Jason, how is everything in L.A.? I mean, <laughs> it's I, to say that it's going smoothly amidst the chaos. I, you know what? That's what I'm going to say. It's going smoothly amidst the chaos, you know, where there's two unions on strike. Uh, mm. It's been a while since there have been two unions on strike. I think it was the uh, 60s, the last time uh, WGA and mm -hmm. SAG-AFTRA were both on strike. Um, and it's really hot. We're having a heat wave right now. So... You got to love the fact that it's basically we're on strike and it's 100 degrees. That's not great. I don't know how many people are actually following this closely because I've, like I said, I've been just talking about it on social media and trying to get people's takes. And some of them are really interesting, I'll say, to be kind. Sure. Um, what why is the union striking in your personal opinion i mean there's a whole boatload of reasons um the major ones are uh ai protections uh making sure that the the 160,000 members of sagaftra are protected from ai and being replaced by ai uh, specifically the background actors at this point, although the intention is to replace all of us. Um, and I know that WGA has a similar uh, uh, fight with AI right now. Um, we're also fighting for streaming residuals. Um, new media is no longer new media. Uh, the companies, um, they pushed us into streaming. They uh, They said, you know, essentially, we don't quite know where this is going. We don't want to offer residuals. And it has turned what used to be a viable career option for many people into a completely gig economy. Uh, and so, you know, the acting world is so, it, it's very hit or miss. You can have a year where you get hired 20 times and it's an amazing year and you're on top of the world. And then the next year, you don't book anything. And mm -hmm during those years where you don't book anything, the residuals is what gets the actors through. Um, the other thing is, is that, you know, 87% of our union membership doesn't make enough to qualify for health insurance. And the health insurance number that you need to hit is around, I don't know the exact number, it's 26 or 27,000. You have to have earned that much in a year to qualify for health insurance. 
And it's pretty disturbing that, you know, 86, 87% of the membership can't qualify for insurance. Um, those are some of the main issues. There's, there's obviously we want pay increases to, uh, to help with inflation and to um, represent cost of living. There are a whole boatload of reasons why we are on strike. Those are some of the major ones for sure, though. Yeah, I mean, the one that caught me a little by surprise, just mainly with how brazen it was, was the one around background actors and uh, likeness on that. And that one was just... That one kind of jumped me from a fence sitter to full solidarity. It was, yeah. a, uh, I mean, I was probably always going to go full solidarity, but that was just a faster transition than this old producer expected. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it, it when we, we knew that this was coming. Like the the union membership, uh, like we were watching the WGA and their fight and the fact that you know, the AMPTP didn't even come to the table on a lot of issues. They flat out rejected them. Um, and one of the things was the AI protections mm -hmm. uh, uh, because the AMPTP was saying, basically, we could get this robot to write scripts just as well as humans, which is also incorrect. Uh, and I think they ran, someone did a study on uh, having an AI write a comedy script and it recycled the same 25 jokes for the entire script. And um, one of the things about comedy is that- Like my podcast. You yeah, you rely on the element of surprise, right? <laughs> so if you see the same 25 jokes over and over and mm -hmm. over, it's no longer funny. Um, unless it becomes so funny because there's just it's so ridiculous. Uh, but no, no, it's not funny. Uh, and and so a lot of us in the in the actors uh, guild and SAG AFTRA were starting to see this trend happening. We had no idea that their groundbreaking <laughs> negotiation deal with us. I mean, they literally the AMPTP after the the talks fell through, they were like. We offered them groundbreaking uh, negotiations on AI. And it's like your groundbreaking negotiation was 60% of our membership gets scanned for one day of work and then never works again. And then they they get the like our likeness in perpetuity for ever. Uh, and we can't complain about it, all that stuff. Um, they also, I'm actually, I want to read this one thing uh, real quick. The... So, so SAG, when they released their grid, basically, um, they for the AI stuff, they said, we want uh, a comprehensive set of provisions to gr grant informed consent and fair compensation when a digital replica is made of our performance is changed using AI. And their response was, we want to be able to scan a background performer's image, pay them for half day's labor, then then but use an individual, a half day's labor. Uh, and then use an individual's likeness for any purpose forever without their consent. We also want to be able to make changes to principal performers' dialogue and even create new scenes without informed consent. And we want to be able to use someone's image, likeness, and performances to train new generative AI systems without consent or compensation. Um, so one of the joys of being a performer when you're on set is getting to collaborate with the writer and the director and the producers and all the people involved with the project and 
I, I can't imagine a world where I would ever want to make a film as a performer or a filmmaker where I basically say to the performer, without your consent, I'm going to change your entire character's story and backstory, and I'm going to make them into a character that you never consented to play and didn't want to play. Uh, you know, like, let's say you're a family-friendly performer mm -hmm. and then suddenly decide to make them into a promiscuous person and it's not their their normal brand or their viewership that's really damaging to a career that could be a that could be a death blow you know oh yeah no it's a um there are many reasons those background provisions are functionally death blows when it comes to uh when it comes to just this entire negotiation um the other thing here is it's a lot of people are under the assumption that this is just about uh, high profile actors. And we'll get into that in just a second. But I just realized we never actually defined who the opposing side is. We've just referred to them by their acronym. Um, and I don't remember exactly what the acronym stands for, but it is functionally the studio heads. Whenever anybody says the AM. PTP? Sorry, dyslexia. Um, AMPTP, yeah. Oh, I got it right. Um, it just means basically the studio heads functionally and the executives. But um, the other thing, though, it's it, this this fight isn't making sure Tom Cruise gets a bigger paycheck. That's not what no. this <laughs> is. It's making sure the background actors and the lower tiers can not be homeless. Like, frankly, some of the opposing side has actually come out and said they want. So yep, not even sure hyperbole. Um, <laughs> yeah. When I saw that article, to say my blood was boiling is kind I I don't think I felt a rage like that in a long time. And the industry is filled with unfair things and, and reasons to get frustrated and upset. And we're constantly fighting to make a better industry, all of us. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm watching a, a new generation of indie filmmakers coming onto the scene who are making amazing content and are helping to change the industry for the better with hiring more diverse uh, cast and crews and like, and getting more women involved and more people of color and more LGBTQ plus people and people with disabilities. There's all these great things that are happening. And it is so, so, and there's lots of injustices. And so there's plenty of reasons to get frustrated. When they said, our goal is to wait them out until they are broken homeless, it, it was a whole level of cruelty that we've never experienced before. So, so like they said the quiet part out loud, oh, you know, yeah. they've been, they've been doing this to us for years. And that's one of the reasons also we're on strike. <laughs> we're already broken homeless. Like, you know, I mean, and not, not fully broken homeless, but like, there's a lot of us who are, are living paycheck to paycheck who are, are not, you know, most of the people my age and under are like, who owns the house? <laughs> so like, 
you can't you can't make me lose my house if I don't own one. Um, and it's it's also the the disregard not just for those of us in the unions that they're fighting, but they they the AMPTP has such little disregard for the the you know the mom and pop businesses the the small uh, main street businesses that are here in LA. Uh, that that have been partnering alongside the industry who are really struggling, uh, especially post-COVID. And, you know, they've been claiming that our strike is hurting these people, when in reality, if they replace us with AI, if they remove us from the equation, then those businesses will disappear too. Because if there's no background talent, you don't need people to costume them. If there's no background talent, you need people to feed them. If there's no background talent, you need props. You don't need sets built. You don't need any of that. So it, it's not just we're complaining about wanting some more money. This is more about we are trying to prevent a new technology from being used in a way that is is devastating to our nation and our planet and how we can all survive. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as the, this is just a bunch of retractors who want more money, um, only like 1% are making a living wage. You know, the fact that only, what is it? If 87% can't meet the 26 to 27,000 health insurance requirement, then that means only 13% are essentially making it. Is that the right number? That um, sounds right. But you also have to keep in mind that I think the federal poverty wage, and this is the federal one, not the California or New York one, is like yeah. 30,000. So yeah. there you go. And and so it's like, you know, we're asking for, I believe it's an 11% increase in wages, um, which would put us on par to, to help with inflation and stuff. And the AMPTP was like, best I can do is five. And that would mean that what we would be making in 2023 would be less than in 2020. So we would be taking a deal that is less favorable to us when the CEOs are taking multi-million dollar bonuses. And it's, it's it blows my mind how very... Uh, how very much it feels like they're saying, let them eat cake, you know? And it's just kind of like, I don't know if you want to be saying these things, such as we are going to starve them and make them homeless. And we're, have you been keeping up with what's going on at Universal? No, I haven't. This sounds, ooh, this sounds interesting. Okay. So just the other day, it's been on Twitter. There's a thing now called Tree Law. Um, basically at the neutral gate, I believe it was where it was at. Uh, mm -hmm. There were a bunch of uh, mature ficus trees that um, Universal, without a permit, uh, trimmed back as if it were a winter pruning. Now, they did this right before the heat wave struck. Um, and this was where the people who were over at that gate got shade. And a neutral gate, for those who don't know, is essentially a gate where we're not picketing. It's a gate where we send one of our union members to stand there, take photos of the cars and trucks and all that that go in because there's people on the lot who are not a part of our strike. There's, you know, on some of these studio lots, they have a Starbucks, they have other things. They're not who we have a, a, a beef with. 
so there's all these these Starbucks workers and other people who work on on the studios that don't have anything to do with our strike. And basically, uh, federally, we're not allowed to do secondary pickets. We're only allowed to picket the employer in 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 question who we are striking against. Um, and but what we do is we watch the neutral gate to make sure that they don't start sending uh, employees who we should be picketing through that gate. Because if they start using it as a way to make work, et cetera, it becomes a tainted gate, and then we start picketing it. So anyway, this gate is neutral. There's not picketers. It's very chill. And they ended up cutting back. I, I believe that this is the neutral gate. It, it could be the other one gate that we had that we were picketing. Um, but they basically cut back all these trees, eliminating the shade for the people who were over there. And... Um, regardless of whether it was a neutral gate with one person there or a smaller gate with, you know, a handful of people picketing to remove the shade from the group when the temperatures are getting to be a hundred, 105 or 10 is just terrible. And it, on top of that, it was city owned property. The trees were not universals and they cut the trees without a permit. We've been finding out. So basically Universal uh, cut and pruned back hard as if it were a winter pruning uh, the city-owned trees that they did not have a permit to uh, prune. And so now the city is getting involved. And, and this is on top of the fact that Universal started all these construction projects at their other gates, tearing up the sidewalks. And they they it has been recommended um, I can't remember who specifically recommended it, but people from the city recommended uh, that they get K-Rail, this kind of, uh, a, a, the way I've, it's been described to me, it's basically these, the giant cement blocks that they put out on construction sites to keep cars mm -hmm. from driving into people uh, to create temporary sidewalks, essentially eliminating a lane from the road, but allowing for there to be sidewalks because we're supposed to be allowed to picket their gates and they've eliminated our sidewalks. And we've been doing a really good job in our picketing. The WGA has set the tone really well and sag after has been following it of we are being respectful of when the light is in our favor. If it's time for us to cross the crosswalk, we cross. If it is not our time, we are not blocking the driveways. Um, we're being, we are picking up our trash. We're being, you know, really good people for picketing and stuff. And, um, and it, it just, it, so it's, you're seeing all this stuff and it's like, wow, these, the AMPTP is acting like a bunch of cartoon villains. Like it, it, I couldn't have written more absurd villains than like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cut down those trees. Like what, what, <laughs> why, why are you doing that? It's, I mean, it's union busting 101. Basically, it's like the the people whose name I probably shouldn't call out um, who busted unions in New York and uh, other places have also employed very, very similar tactics in the previous years. Um, the like the Amazon strikes, as an example, sure. where sure. there was a lot of really similar stuff going on. Just obviously the particulars are different because the Amazon strikes didn't target, you know. Universal pictures, but it's 
But the basic impulse is the same. And it's the reason that there is actually a functioning industry insofar as there is one um, is largely due to unions. I mean, it just the reason that you can make a living wage as a creative in this industry is because of unions. Before the unions, the reason SAG was formed, and I, I might be wrong on this, but I believe the reason SAG was formed is too many actors were dying on set. It's literally it. And... I believe it. <laughs> there, I mean, there are times when I'll read a rule in the SAG books and stuff, and I'll think to myself, wow, I can't believe we needed to put that down. That's just <laughs> common sense. Like, <laughs> You know, one of the things that we asked for in our contract uh, negotiations was uh, to update the meal penalties. Um, It hasn't been updated since the 60s and they didn't they just rejected it. Um, And that basically they're saying it's worth it for us to keep the meal penalties as low as they are, because it's worth it to keep to just pay the meal penalty to get the shot. And. Mm -hmm. I have a policy on my set, which is I don't care if the light is changing. I don't care if if the day is ending like we are leaving at this time or we are having our meal at the appropriate meal time because nobody functions well when they are underfed or they're exhausted. The best shoots that I've been on have been ones where we eat at the right time and we go home at the right time and people get a 12 hour turnaround and all of these things where you get to have a life. It's not just being on set. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, the fact that they were just like, no, it's like, well, yes, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, um, Debbie, uh, in the Debbie Brubaker episode of this podcast, she actually went into some pretty, extensive detail about what happens when you don't feed your crew and all of these sorts of things um and she is uh great but the other thing here is just on the executive end there's a ton of data out there that like happy people work better it's just it's not that complicated like there's a lot of stuff around a four-day work week that even if you work people 32 hours instead of 40 their productivity increases. It's not what you expect, but it's a lot of these same negotiations are kind of in the same ballpark here. They're not yeah. exactly the same because the standard day in film is 12, isn't it? It's yeah, standard day is yeah. 12. We, we, um, for the SAG contracts, it's uh, our day rate is for eight hours. Mm-hmm. Um, with it, the understanding that if we go to 12, the extra four hours is. Uh, overtime so we get paid more than our normal hourly rate um but yes generally speaking a a standard day is 12 hours uh for me when i'm when i'm uh uh in the filmmaker seat i aim for 10 or less because a uh, once you get to 10 hours everyone's getting tired it's you're Mm -hmm. gonna start to get messier and messier stuff and it's not it's no fault of anyone's other than we're human we are people who need to sleep and need to rest and need to eat. And if you budget your day correctly, you can get out in 10 hours. And then in addition to that, people's, you know, a lot of crew members have set their day rate to a 12 hour day. They then get are making more money per hour if they're getting out earlier. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's like, and there's incentives to like, I get to go home. I get to sleep for an extra several hours. I get to see my family. I get to, you know, watch that show I wanted to watch. I get to de-stress. I get to do all the things. I get to run some errands or whatever. Uh, although probably not if it's, <laughs> if, if it's 10 hours, of- you're probably not running errands, but that yeah. unwinding time is still very, very valuable to not just you as a person who deserves a happy life, but also as a boss, your people are more productive. You get more done. What you get done is better. It's just, yeah. I mean, I've told this story before, but it's, there's a massive disconnect from the studio and executive level that I've personally seen. I've had multiple people tell me, yeah, don't bother with a caterer. Just get a $5 foot long dating myself um, for each crew member or Taco Bell's cheap. And Taco Bell doesn't serve Taco Bell on set um, for their commercials. It's just Taco Bell serves steak. Yeah. (laughs) I actually know that, but yeah. When it's, it's, if you did, let's say you did a $5 foot long once in a blue moon, Mm -hmm. then it's a special treat, right? Or whatever. But, but you know, one of the things that, I love is when I go to a set and it's it's cooked there whether it's a crafty person or whether it's a super low budget set and the producer is making it themselves and it's mm-hmm. home cooked and it's spaghetti like I know that love and thought and care went into it and I know that like they made that salad they made that pasta they made that sauce you know they put the effort and time into it and it, and especially when you know there have been some sets i've gone to where they've made like a vegan chili in a slow cooker and it's amazing and it's delicious and it's just a vegan chili and rice it doesn't cost a fortune and i feel pampered i feel like they went through that extra thought of like putting together something and putting it in a slow cooker for eight hours and and making it delicious you know Mm -hmm. yeah no you're totally totally right like i mean Crafty is, a lot of people are saying it now, maybe it's just in my circles, but really it's the, probably the number one light item you should buff. Absolutely. It's just, I once chased a uh, burrito, a breakfast burrito all over Spokane just to eat that effing breakfast burrito while I was on set. I mean, I'm an executive producer, so I'm not necessary, but it's a... but I was there and I wanted yeah. a burrito. Um, but yeah, it was great. Um, I mean, look, these are all the biggest thing I kind of wanted to have you on about is that these are all very reasonable things. It's yeah. not like anybody's asking for the moon like on the wga side there is some conversation around a minimum writer's room size and things like that and i'm not i'm i'm not really qualified to weigh in on that but from what i've seen of it most of that applies to television and it actually makes sense um but on the sag side i can't actually see something that makes sense to give on and i negotiate a lot not this sort of negotiation in mind but i do negotiate for a living practically mostly um i'm also pretty and i have a podcast so that helps. Yeah. <laughs> but, um the 
there's there's one there's a couple other things that they that AMPTP rejected where mm -hmm. it, in like you just said I am still flabbergasted that they mm -hmm. just flat out rejected and I want to I want to bring them up because um they <laughs> one of them I literally started to cackle when I was reading it and read that it was rejected cuz it didn't make sense um let me see where is it um it has to do with self tapes there was a bunch of them with self tapes mm -hmm. um all right so with the self tapes one of the one of the big issues that a lot of actors have been having is turnaround on a self tape which basically means you get an audition and they tell you we need it by x time right so it's mm -hmm. uh, and depending on the page count tends to dictate how much time you get mm -hmm. uh so uh, I was, um, whenever I am, am privileged enough to be in the producer seat when we're doing auditions, I always try to limit the number of pages or number of scenes. And if I'm doing multiple scenes, it's, I tend to cut down the page count because they shouldn't, I've been where they're in their shoes. And I always give at least a week and a half to two weeks for people to have the time to get it together because, mm -hmm. you know, people have other day jobs in between their acting jobs because thanks to uh the lack of streaming residuals and things it, it's become a more of a gig economy um but basically so we asked for uh limit the number of pages for a first call and they countered with an unacceptable number of pages um we wanted to establish a minimum turnaround time for self-taped uh, auditions for adults and minors excluding weekends and holidays um, and they tentatively agreed to reasonable turnaround time, but they refused to exclude weekends and holidays from the turnaround time calculation. So like, hypothetically, it could be Christmas and they could say, you have 48 hours to get us this. Most people don't send out auditions at Christmas, but like they could say it or at like 4th of July, right? Or or, yeah. or Labor Day or something. They could say, we need this in 48 hours. And the actor had planned to go hang out with their friends and family. And now they can't do it if they want to do this audition. Um, and, but the one that really got me was we asked for uh, any tone, style, genre, period, creative vision, character description, accent, or other available information about the project and role should be provided to the performer at the time an audition is requested. And they just rejected it. And I'm like, how do you expect an actor to do a good job <laughs> in an acting role if you won't tell them if there's an accent or if there's <laughs> any... Like, I. I saw that and I was like, so they absolutely were not negotiating in good faith because if you're negotiating in good faith, that that particular thing, you know how much that cost the AMP, uh, AMPTP? Zero dollars. That yeah, costs them just a no money. And, and it allows all of us to do a better job, which gives them more options when they're <laughs> hiring people. I That one blew my mind. And the final one, uh, that really blew my mind. Um, okay, it, uh, it was late payment. So what we asked for was to increase liquidated damages due to unex uh, due to the unacceptable trend of egregiously late payments. They flat out rejected it. Mm -hmm. Though they admit that their companies consistently pay late, they have stated that they will still not pay on time, even with increased penalties. 
to increase the penalties. It's I know. still, it's just like, that's like, okay. Yeah. Late payments always, pretty much always. There's yeah. like, and the thing is, it affects downstream too. Absolutely. So like, if I'm running a distribution company or when I was running a distribution company better, if I didn't get paid on time, the filmmakers didn't get paid on time. Exactly. That's just it. And it's like, it's, and then the filmmakers, because they're so insulated, because this chain is so long, the studios never have to deal with it. Whereas I had to take several times a week, where's my money calls? And yeah. explain the same thing in as good faith as possible. Right. And it wears on you, not on the filmmaker end, but it does wear on you. It's yeah. a, like, I, I'm not saying the filmmakers wore on me. I'm saying that having to have that conversation week after week wore on me. But yeah, it's a, um, it's a problem. And I don't know exactly what the fix is, but frankly, increasing the penalty, that's an easy middle ground. So basically. I had, I had heard through different people on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there was some, I can't remember who specifically it was, but I believe they were a WGA member and they were talking about how they used to get paid late and then they they went after them for late fees and they got thousands of dollars of late fees. And now they never get paid late because they know, the studios know that if this person is hired, they will come after them for the late fees. Uh, and, and, so, and someone else on Twitter also mentioned that one of the reasons that they don't have an incentive to pay on time is because they're collecting interest on that money and they're trying to hold out until the next quarter of whatever interest. And so basically what needs to happen is the late payment needs to become, uh, the penalties need to become more than the uh, the interest that they're getting so that mm -hmm. their incentive to just hold it because if, essentially if let's say their interest they would get a hundred but the late fee is twenty five dollars that's still seventy five dollars more for them mm -hmm. in their interest and it's like no no that should be my money if you're gonna no, hold on yeah to that you're money, you're paying you're earning interest on my money while I'm paying interest on my credit card so no yeah. it's a <laughs> um yeah it, it it's it's insane and it shouldn't happen but it's rampant. I mean, basically, this brings to mind something that happened, I believe, in the 70s in a different industry, so I might be wrong but about the time period, but it definitely happened. Um, there was a massive airline issue where basically all flights were being massively delayed, and a lot of flights were spending an inordinate amount of time on the uh runway or on the gangway waiting to take off yeah to the point that sometimes they had to refuel between them because they just didn't have enough fuel from taxiing for that long um i believe it was congress it might have been the faa passed a new regulation saying that uh for every hour a passenger uh for every hour for every passenger that sits on a tarmac the airline faces a $10,000 fine. Wow. Overnight, it stopped happening. So it's not a question of... So I tell that story more to say it's it, it's not a question of ability. It's a question of incentive. 
And those need to be rebalanced, which is why it's so important that we support the strikes, basically. Because the downstream effects, even if you're an indie producer who doesn't currently work with SAG and is a little upset that it's so hard to get a name actor or distribution and all of these, these are all valid complaints. I want to be very clear there. They are. You are facing issues. Nobody is mitigating your issues. But if these, if we can't at least win on the the unionized level, everything else is going to get worse too. Absolutely. And it's just, that's, that's why me as an executive producer is here chatting with my friend in solidarity. That's it. It's, yeah. Well, one of the things that a lot of people have been talking about as well is we've been watching these studios start to make larger and larger budget films right mm-hmm. the the in i think was the flash's budget 300 million was it something like that it Sounds was something right. large and insane and then they're getting kind of surprised that they're not recouping in the first weekend because they used to be making movies for like you know 50 million and then they would recoup in the first weekend and make a profit and it'd be a huge hit and all that stuff and I've been seeing a lot of people who have been suggesting that perhaps we should be scaling down our movies again. And so taking a $300 million budget, but splitting it up over 30 films and giving each film 10 million, you know, like it's, you can, or I I don't know if that's the right math, but, uh, Mm -hmm. but basically if you, if you break it up so you can have a bunch of more films, you have a really good shot at having a handful of those become hits and then some something you spent 10 million on could make you 400 million and then you've made back all the money you invested on all the films with just you know one or two and then mm-hmm. everything else as long as you keep recouping you're you're doing great and so it's been kind of uh wild to watch that they keep doubling down on these mega uh budget films and it's it's I think we're starting to see that that's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And there's, there's more um, reason to believe that we should be, there should be a market and a place for more of those independent films, size budgets, those 5 million, 10 million. We don't make those at all anymore. Really? I know. It's just (laughs) like, and there's like so many of my favorite movies were in there. Like even like, I have no idea what it was. I didn't look it up before now, but like, even if you look at film franchises that have been around for ages, right? I don't know what the new Mission Impossible was made for, you know, part one, which, yeah, damn it, Harry Potter. But, um, the, but the first one, I'd be really surprised if it's more than 50 adjusted. Sure. I'd be like, that last train scene, that's expensive, but the rest of that, not so much. Um, and this new one, like we're looking at like the, the, I don't know what it is, so I might be wrong. I didn't look it up. Roast me in the comments if you must, but, um, the, it's gotta be north of 180 off the top of my head. Is this the one where he's scaling a plane? Probably. I haven't actually seen it yet. I really want to. I'm like, okay. I have my guilty pleasures. 80s action movies and Mission Impossible movies are chief among them. But Of course. Yeah. When, and that's the thing. 
when I say that we should be taking these $300 million budget films and whittling them down, I'm not saying that we should never make a $300 million budget Totally. Movie. If, if every movie is a $300 million budget movie, though, like it just it's it's a numbers game. Inevitably, mm-hmm. there's only so many movies that are going to be a hit in a year. It mm-hmm. just it's it's especially in a world where, you know, less people are going to the theaters than ever. Um, you know, there's been an uptick since the you know, since the vaccine has rolled out with COVID and all that stuff mm-hmm. and people are feeling comfortable to go back. Uh, and as society is getting more back into the before time uh, energy. Um, mm-hmm. But if every single one of them is 300 million, that's a lot to ask to fill all those theaters every single night. It, it, even even if we uh, even if the economy was booming, people can't go every night. You know, I have a my husband and I, we have a um, the AMC uh, plus stubs. What the AMC stubs plus or whatever it is. The... No, we 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 have. Yeah. I was gonna say we have a new puppy. Uh, well, she's not a new puppy anymore, but she's only uh, about a year old, and so, you know, we can't go to the movies every night. We mm-hmm. want to spend time with her. We want to, and there's you know other things we have to do. I have friends who have the the AMC, uh, plus thing, and they love it. They use it all the time. Great, um, but yeah, and it's 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 a great way to get people in seats and it's also got its own problems, right? So it's, it's no system's going to be perfect, but it seems to me rather than cutting actor and writer salaries and crew salaries and all of that, maybe cut down the budgets of the films, do more smaller films to allow for a chance for one of them to go huge. Uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> maybe the CEOs don't need to get, tens of millions of dollars in bonuses when their businesses are supposedly failing. I feel that's, like you, you get a bonus when you're succeeding, right? Okay, that's let's not go down that rabbit hole. I'm not drunk enough. Um, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I'm not drunk at all, for clarity. Yeah. This is water. Um, but the... Uh, and mostly full. But... Um, no, I, I completely agree with you. And actually, Steven Spielberg called the $300 million issue like a decade ago now. Yeah, it was. I thought he was overstating. I was wrong. It's um, that's where we are. And I think that if we move back towards the five to 30 million range for the majority of releases, then you start to make the big blockbuster more event releases. And that's going to end up yeah. better. Yeah. The other thing here is I do think that the studios are trying to cut costs and it's not the biggest line item by any stretch of the imagination, but if you can CGI in your background actors, man, that does cut a good amount out of that 300 million. And I don't know how much, but it's notable. Almost certainly. One that, and that's, it's one of those things where I like to think of that as very short term cost winning. So like, mm-hmm. um, yes, they'll save money in the short term, but if 60% of 160,000 people suddenly have no, have one less income source and all those other people who help dress and feed mm-hmm. and all that stuff, then, then what's going to happen is, then no one can go see the movie in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, you know, whenever I see a scene of like, let's say there's like 
4 million zombies coming at the the people mm-hmm. if it's if you're doing something like that i can understand cgiing the people who are like this big mm-hmm. but like for the close up stuff using people is always going to feel more real it's always going to be better and it's going to help employ people that will then inevitably go spend money on the movie to see themselves in it uh and their families will go see it and it'll it it, it will help that economy it'll help the mm-hmm. the other the smaller businesses so yes in the short term i could understand that but it feels very um it feels like you're they're not looking at the long game here they're not looking at how to rather than trying to fix the model they broke they're putting it on the rest of us they're forcing the rest mm-hmm. of us to foot the bill and it's like i didn't break this <laughs> yeah you... i mean the entire yeah. incentive structure is broken really it's like and from the ceo's perspective if you have two or three bad quarters you're fired right that's just what it is and that makes thinking long term extraordinarily difficult sure. um there are you could raise other points on that i feel like quibby's still an easy target and fun but um quibby, the uh, oh boy. um but no i mean i just film is the reason film has succeeded to this point is that it has been a hyper affordable um means of escape for the majority yeah of people regardless of income level like sure sometimes you if you're if you're really poor you might have to wait for in the old days you might have had to wait for it to come on tv but even when you were really poor you could probably still rent a movie every once in a while it's just it's always been that affordable and that's kind of always been why the industry has been able to proliferate the way it has and the fact that we're now getting to the point that there are adequate alternatives in the market like free mobile games most of them are crappy but some of them are okay and addictive as hell um the not speaking personally um the it's just you can't treat it like you used to you have to treat it you have to remember that you're on the battlefield you're on not the one that the map says you're on for right. lack of to very paraphrase Sun Tzu there. But um yeah. So that's basically it. You've also mentioned a couple things that came up in your uh Instagram video, and I'll I'll put a link to that in the down there parts. Um the it is a very good video that's very succinct. Oh, thank you. And um I'm really curious how you did those captions, but that's probably an off-air question. So, um, the it's in Instagram, it's easy. It they they did it's native to Instagram. I thought yeah, it was... you can oh, you wow. can do um, it's. I'll tell you. I'll show you afterwards. But it's basically you click one of the buttons and then you can touch captions and it just pops up. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, yeah, I've been. I need to do some short stuff with this podcast on YouTube. So, that's or instagram but um no that's that's all fantastic um i have no idea how long we've been going um i kind of lost track of time and i don't remember when we started so 343 
Yeah. I can keep going. Pro- okay. Cool. Um so how are you guys mitigating the heat? We kind of mentioned this at the top, but it's an issue. How yes. are you guys avoiding injury? And when I say yeah. guys, I mean guys, gals, and, and non-binary pals for the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have um, both the WGA and SAG-AFTRA have amazing staff members um, and amazing um, resources that we, that's part of the union process from what I've been learning is our dues go to many things, including a rainy day fund like this, right? A strike mm-hmm. fund, et cetera. And essentially, they every morning when we show up, there's a, a van with supplies, uh, a tent for us for sign in tables, chairs, the signs, uh, water, uh, snacks, all sorts of stuff. We've been um, asking people to bring their own reusable uh, water bottles, um, and we've been providing them with ice water throughout the day. Uh, we also have bottles of water and boxes of water. Um, and basically, we've been telling people to take breaks when needed, go sit in the shade, go find, you know, we have um, some misters out there. They're basically these fans that sit on top of these buckets of water and it kind of sprays mist out. Um and that's been really useful. I personally have this cute little device that wraps around my neck and it blows air up at me. And I've been wearing, I've been slowly accruing more and more objects to prevent me from getting burned because uh, I am very white and <laughs> <laughs> the son and I are not friends, <laughs> even though I need it for uh, to fight my seasonal affective disorder. Um the curse of the world i'm both seasonal affective disorder and allergic to the sun um but basically i bought these um armbands or armbands these arm sleeve things that basically cover my arms and provide this uv protection and when the wind blows it helps cool them down i don't quite get how the technology works but it does so that's been pretty fun um my hat is i feel like i'm on you know, in the rainforest on an adventure, I've got like this tented draping thing in the back to protect my neck. Uh, I've been putting on a ton of sunblock. I truly, truly, I mean, like the the one of the things that the strike captains from both WGA and SAG-AFTRA are doing constantly is to remind people to hydrate and to remind people that this is a marathon. This is not a sprint. Mm-hmm. This is not going to be over tomorrow. This is not going to be over next week. I hope it is. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but the word on the street is that, you know, we're probably not going to go back to talks for a handful of weeks, Labor Day at the earliest, you Mm -hmm. know, some people have been, you know, picking other dates further down the line. I'm, I feel like we're going to get back to talks come Labor Day because, uh, it's been revealed that the studios, they won't have anything to air in the spring and in the winter if we don't get back to work by October. So, you know, we're prepared to go. We're prepared to be out there for a while. Uh, You know, one of the things we've also done is we, um, this week we cut our hour down so that we're not out at the worst part of the day for the heat. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause again, like we're, we're fighting for our rights and, 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 you know, workers rights and for better pay and compensation and, 
And honestly, we really are fighting to keep the economy afloat because if mm -hmm. we get a race, that's going to be a very bad thing for this this, this country. Um, but it, it's we, we don't need to die doing it. We can do it in a way where we're safe, where we uh, take care of ourselves, where we are mindful of of uh, making sure we don't burn out. Uh, we've also been telling people like, listen to your body. And uh, one of the things that the strike captains are told to do is to keep out, look out for signs of uh, heat exhaustion. And mm -hmm. if someone looks like they're getting groggy or a little bit off, we ask them to go take a seat, get some water. Um, and everyone's been really compliant. You know, they've been really great about it. We also are getting donations from people on the picket line, like of bottles of water, of things like that. Uh, today, one company showed up that had a bunch of ice cream sandwiches. So that was passed around. Awesome. Um, you know, and, and, and there's plenty of other things to donate to right now. Um, you know, we've got, uh, it was formerly known as the Actors Fund, but it's now mm -hmm. known as the Entertainment Community Fund. Um, and it's a, they do great work in helping people in times like this where they're out of work, mm -hmm. helping to pay rent, helping to get groceries, things like that. They help connect people. Um, there's a whole bunch of organizations out there that are doing mm -hmm. that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a long-winded way of saying we are fighting the heat. We're we're staying hydrated. We're taking care of each other. And, and I think it boils down to that. That's why it got so long-winded for me is that mm -hmm. we're taking care of each other. You know, we, as a union, that's part of why we're here. That's part of why we formed a union. It's because we looked around at the people, our colleagues, our friends, our people who become our family, who we work with, who we, you know, making a film is essentially going into battle together. And oh, yeah. it is, it's one team against uh, uh, unbelievable odds. The, the odds that a film gets finished ever is like so small it's ridiculous and so that's part of why these unions matter is that we care so much for each other we are looking out for each other um so yeah it's it, we're staying cool we're staying safe because we are there for each other and we're looking out for each other that's great i mean it's a uh i'm going to be putting the link to the uh entertainment community fund down here um, thank you so if you have any spare please give it we we as an industry need these strikes to continue and well we don't need them to continue but we need these concessions made yeah um it's a and i wouldn't say that if it wasn't a uh i'm most commonly associated with the other side of this but it's all very very reasonable in terms well, of and and what are. i want to point out that there are a lot of people on the other side of the table who are mm -hmm. actively supporting the strikes good um and which is great and it really is it boils down to this the 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 people in the amptp who are acting the most unreasonable and it, it's it, it's disappointing that these millionaires and billionaires are basically act asking why we aren't happy with you know a piece of stale bread and some you know soiled water for our meals and stuff and they're acting all surprised 
but the reality is that there's a lot of great people out there who are producers and stuff and and who are working really hard and are supporting us and we're really grateful for it and if you are one of those people out there and you're listening and you haven't come out and support yet it would mean a great deal to all of us to just publicly voice your support because like at the end of this we're going to be working with y'all again and it would be nice to know for us who we should want to work with because the people who when they're when when you're quiet about this type of stuff it makes us start to suspect maybe you are fine with us being replaced with AI or, or those types of things. Um, and, you know, it's so, yeah, so that's uh, a humble ask from us would be for more people to come out and support of it. A ton of people have been. So thank you to that. But if you're, if you, you haven't been sure or, or worried that you might get yelled at, like, no, you will be welcomed. We will be happy to have you in solidarity and all that. So, so uh, thank you, Ben, for supporting us. Uh, well, I have this persistent need to be ethical that is uh, <laughs> problematic in my position sometimes. But Ethics. the, uh, it is a, but jokes aside, um, I always ask my guests the same three questions. Um to close out uh i'm gonna give you the uh i i i'll give you the first one first but you can answer it second okay um because sometimes it takes a second to think so the first one is what are your top three favorite movies as it stands right this second now they can change in 10 minutes by the way it's not really that but just vibes right now so interestingly enough i don't know if i'm technically allowed to name the movies because I of the strike that part yeah. but i can tell you my three favorite genres there we go so uh so just just so people understand out there right now a lot of actors and writers are unable to promote their work that they've loved to work on or any works that they've fallen in love with as a part of our strike. And it's very painful for all of us because we love to to give shout outs to good work and great stuff out there. Um, so once the strike is over, I promise I will post my three favorite movies. But until then, I'm going to say that my favorite genre is comedy right out the gate. My mm -hmm. second favorite genre is romantic comedy uh, because I love a good romance. Uh, and then my third is interestingly enough, I love a thriller. I love a movie with, you know, spies and stuff like that. I'm like, I, I love, uh, or, and I'll give a bonus one, a cozy mystery. I love to try to put together a puzzle, uh, before the movie or show is over. It's so much fun for me to do that. Yeah. And there aren't enough good ones out there anymore, which is again, I'm not a, guild member so i can say which is part of why i like mission impossible still but Absolutely. um the uh so then the second question is uh what piece of advice would you if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice what would that advice be and when would you give it to yourself If I could go back and give myself a piece of advice, it would be right as I was going to college for musical theater, mm -hmm. 
And I would say to myself, I know that you love doing musical theater and I know that you're really good at it. You have a freakishly young face and it is going to be impossible as a six foot one person with a baby face to get cast in the ensemble anywhere. Even though you're really good, dive into film right away. I wish I would have spent a few more. I wish I would have not waited the extra years that I did uh, to get into film uh, because the film industry has been so warm and open to my weird six foot one tall baby faceness. So uh, that would be the advice I would give. We've never met in person. I did not know you were six one. I um, know, right? I, I, I like to surprise people with that. Yeah. Um. There have been a few times that I've met people at markets or whatever, and then I'm like, oh, that's not what I expected. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's fantastic. And then lastly, um, where can people find you? What are you looking for? I like that question. I don't know <laughs> why other people have been mean about that. Um, so people can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, my hashtag is uh, my hashtag. I don't have a hashtag. I'm not that cool. Uh, my <laughs> Instagram and Twitter handle are at Jason T Gaffney. Uh, that's T as in toy. And then G A F as in Frank, F as in Frank, N E Y. Um, and then you can also find me on Facebook. Same Jason T Gaffney. Um, I just don't think we have the little at in front of it. Um, but yeah, those are the best places to find me. Um, I also have a website, I think still jasontgaffney.com. So another place you can find me. Cool. Um, and to be clear, the other people who are saying don't do that, just they're saying add a third question and do that as a, as an outro, but oh. it's, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was the that was the only thing I couldn't tell you that in the pre-roll because it would have spoiled it. I but, know. Um, I yeah. like the question. Um, what was it? Wait, there was an additional part beyond what. Where can they find you? What was the? Oh, ad, what are you looking ad? for? And what am I looking for? I am looking for. Um, I am looking for more uh kind and compassionate people in this world to stand up and uh, to try to help and make this world a better place uh in all aspects but especially in the film world uh there's a ton of us who are wonderful kind compassionate caring humans and too many of us i think are afraid of taking leadership positions when they are more than qualified for it. So this is my invitation to invite people into leadership roles uh, who may doubt themselves because they are more than needed. That's a wonderful place to leave it. So Jason, thank you so much for coming on. I'm very glad you could lend some uh, insight to this highly atypical situation and um thank you stay thank safe you for having stay... me happy to anytime um the uh stay safe stay cool and uh in lieu of my standard pitches just uh go to the entertainment community fund i'll drop a link in the description thank you so much thank for you. listening see you next week